Hey, my name is Tiffany Vaughn, and I'm on a mission to help regular people like me find their voice and then use it for lifting themselves and others up around them. I'm a small town mom to three kiddos with my hubby James, and man, have we been dealing with a lot. But isn't everyone? I lovingly call it our hard, beautiful journey, and I bet that yours is too. In season one, I tossed the bricks from my shoulders that were weighing me down. Bricks that represented shame, embarrassment, regret, loss, you name it, I was feeling it. I am now taking those bricks and building up a stronger foundation for myself and our family. I've created this safe space for me and you to open our hearts and our minds and to use our voices to help others know they are not alone in their struggles. Mental health, marriage and divorce, infertility, parenting, and some soul journey work are all topics that we discuss here. Let's be real for a minute. Life can definitely be hard, but it can also be so dang beautiful. Am I right? So pull up a cozy seat, grab your beverage of choice, and join me as I help others talk about their hard, beautiful journey. I know they will inspire you as much as they inspire me. So let's get started. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Hard Beautiful Journey. You are here for episode 35, and this is the official last episode for season two. And it's been such an amazing season. Oh my gosh. I am so truly grateful for this experience and everything that I have learned over the past two seasons of hosting this show. Like last week, I'm going to do a recap of the interviews that I did this season from episodes 26 to 33 and pull from them the lessons that I have learned from my guests. So let's do this. First up is episode 26. Have you ever ugly snot cried when hearing someone's story? Well, let's just say that my guest for this episode got to see a whole bunch of snot crying on our Zoom call. My beautiful friend Allison joined me to talk about her love story with her late husband, Chuck, and the grief process since his death. Their love transcends this earth, and I know that Chuck is with her while she now travels the country in her pink car and trailer, her odyssey of love in pink. Allison has an incredible loveumentary coming out this spring that I am so excited to see. I will be sure to spread the news when it is released. Allison reminded me how important love is, not just in a marriage, but in everything that we do. Love is it. It's it. And when we have that in our lives, anything is possible. He woke up that one morning, about five or so, and I went out to see what he needed and get the day started. And he said, you need to take me to the hospital. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. He had the, Chuck had this massive pain threshold that I was always in awe of. And so I knew that if he was saying this is too painful, that it was really bad. Mm-hmm. And I remember packing him into the car and they admitted him right away at Eisenhower Medical Center. And that night, it was, I get, so they did some testing on him, CAT scans, and the doctor came back and said, there's a huge mass in his lungs. And I'm always leery because I, but okay, I'm hearing you say mass, but I'm expect. I think what you're saying is tumor, and you don't want to say it. And and I knew that's. I knew that it was cancer, and it, it had it collapsed. 
It had already taken over one of his lungs and then collapsed the other two-thirds of his other lung. And it had uh, snapped a rib. The tumor had snapped a rib. Wow. So, and so I remember even while he was, I stepped out of the room to start calling the kids and say, you need to come now because I knew this was going to be it. And, and I remember calling a friend saying, I'm going to be a widow. And it's the first time I ever used that word. But here's the thing about Chuck. And one of the things that made me love him so deeply in the midst of all of this that was going on, and he was lying there in the bed and going in and out for tests and poked and prodded, and he was in so much pain and they couldn't give him any medication yet. The nurse came in at one point and he said to her, look, can you get my wife something to eat and drink? She hasn't had anything all day long. Oh. And so they admitted him to the hospital and I stayed with him, of course, and I was taking a break and I went out of the room to the nurse's station. I saw the nurse who had been uh, there when we were admitted. And I knew this particular nurse had 40 years of nursing under his belt in with cancer. And I said, look, um, we know it's cancer. What do you think? What are we looking at time-wise? And I said, please just be honest with me. I've worked in hospice. I've been around dying people. I just need somebody to tell me the fucking truth. Yep. Don't lie to me. And the nurse said, I think he probably has about three weeks. Back in that room with Chuck and I, the whole night, he just, it's cancer. It was in his lungs. It was just everywhere. And, and I, his breathing sounded like he was dying constantly. My da our daughter, my daughter got there the next day. And then the other kids started getting there and his daughter got there. And after a week, Chuck and I found more tumors is what happened. The doctor had been in to visit and Chuck found more tumors and I went running to get the doctor who had left the room and I said, you need to come back and look at him. And she confirmed there's tumors everywhere. And I remember talking to the social worker who had been assigned to us that night. And I said, I know that this is what's happening. I know he's going to die. And I said, I think we need to call in hospice, but I don't know how to tell Chuck that because I don't want him to think that I'm giving up. And the social worker said, you're the one that has to tell him. I, I know it's hard, but it's, you're it, you're his wife. And I went in and I sat down with Chuck and I said, look, if you want to fight this, I have your back. I will go to bat for you. I'll make sure everything gets done. I'll get out there and kick butt and take names and we will get it done. But I don't think we have time. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to call in hospice. Yeah. And that was the hardest, most impossible conversation I ever had with anybody and um, I remember him looking down, and he looked up at me, and he said, okay, let's call them. And, and I said, I will make sure that, they're, that you're not in any pain, that we manage the pain. And he held up his, his pinky finger, and he said, I trust you. He said, let's do this. And then we did a pinky swear, which we've never done before. So he had three weeks in hospice, and then he died. But before he died, I told him, I'm going to continue traveling. Whoa, that, like I said, um, ugly snot cry, right? Oh my gosh. Next up is episode 27. And yeah, I had the honor and privilege to interview Theron Flurry. One day, I gathered all of of the courage, like I mean all of it, that I could muster up 
and I made the decision to ask him if he'd be on my podcast to talk about his hard, beautiful journey. And obviously he said yes. And yes, I screamed out loud in the Starbucks drive through line when I got the news. And yes, yeah, it's true. I legit almost passed out right before hitting the admit button on our Zoom call. Yeah, like I couldn't even breathe. But Theo is someone that makes you feel comfortable and is such an amazing person to talk to. His journey has been more than hard. He's had immense trauma in his life. But what he has taught me is that even in your darkest times, there is a way out and there is a way to ask for help. He reminded us all that people with mental health challenges are not in the minority. We are the majority. And it's time to stand up for the five out of five. Pain is a great motivator for change. Mm -hmm. And in the pain, you'll find the purpose for the pain, right? Yeah. And it's a great indicator that something's not right in your world. And uh, when you are able to make sense of why did this happen to me? Like, why did, why was I picked to go through this experience? We don't share it with the world. Then why, what's the reason that you went through? There's gotta be a reason. And part of any process, there has to be surrender. And what does surrender look like? It's the realization that, you know, left to my own defenses, left to me running my own life is the biggest shit show on the planet (laughs) when I'm running my own life. And surrender is turning it over to faith and trusting that, you know, God, Allah, Buddha, Jehovah, the universe, a tree in your backyard, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You have to have faith and trust that the universe has your back and will show you the way. And that's been my experience mm-hmm. is September 17th, 2005, when I was in that washroom, I surrendered and I turned my will and my life over to the care of the universe as I understand it. And it was one of the greatest decisions I've ever made. Mm -hmm. And from that decision has come all of this. Next on episode 28, my very dear friend Shauna was here to talk about her difficult struggle with anxiety and mental health and how she had to continually advocate for herself until she found the strategies that worked for her. Shauna shared so much great insight, so please be sure and check out that full episode if you haven't already. Shauna reminded me that not everyone has lived your experience, so they may not know how to support you the way that you expect them to. And that hit me hard and made me rethink some relationships I have, and I am so grateful for that reminder. What I would want to tell your listeners, I want you to tell someone about it. I encourage you to share with others what's happening to you. Normalize mental health by talking about it. I felt God telling me if I did not start talking about it, I would not get better. And that was true. I was determined to tell the truth. So if somebody asked me how I was, I had to tell them. 
I was met with different reactions. Some people could not relate or seem to care. Some people said things like, we should have coffee sometime, but the invitation never came. Others expressed sympathy and some people prayed powerful prayers over me. I remember uh, this lady coming into the store and I told her how I was and she said, I wanna pray for you. And she pulled me into the aisle and she prayed the most beautiful prayer over me. And it just, when I see her to this day, I'm so endeared to her. I just, it's what I needed. And mm -hmm. I was just so thankful that she took me seriously and that she prayed. The other thing I wanna talk about is our family is doing counseling with Ernie Wooters through Seven Edge Success. You can find his stuff on Facebook and Instagram. One thing that Ernie talks about often is not going to jail for other people's offenses and people don't know what they don't know. So even though some people said things that were not compassionate or they did not respond in a supportive way, I had to remember they had no experience. They had not experienced what I had gone through. So they had no way of supporting or relating to my situation. Therefore, they didn't know what they didn't know. Mm -hmm. Getting mad about that is going to jail for other people's offenses. So I had to have grace on those that did not understand, even when I needed their grace and support. I had to keep talking and found support with others who did understand. So don't give up and keep talking until you find what you need. And don't leave Jesus out of your health plan. On episode 29, I had the absolutely beautiful soul and musician Leah Campbell on the show to talk about her song, Won't Let You Fall. If you've been listening since the beginning of season two, you would have heard this song a few times. I needed to know how that song came to her. And unfortunately, it came from the death of her friend committing suicide. What Leah taught me is that even in the depths of grief and pain, that God is there to show you the next best step. And in Leah's case, he put a pen in her hand and gave her the words to help heal so many people around the world. So multiple families would have died and would have lost everything. But because God knew exactly what was happening and it was just, he knew the situation and only that specific apartment at the top was burned. And it was, that was honestly a miracle to me knowing that God was so aware of what was going on in that moment. He knew exactly where Jennifer was, where me and my companion were when everything happened. And it was a lot. It mm -hmm. was a lot to take in. And for weeks, I was in the darkest place I had ever been in. I absolutely had no idea what to do. And you look at missionaries and you think they have it all together. They are sharing a message of light about Jesus Christ. And I could not do that. Mm -hmm. I felt so lost. And uh, it took me weeks and weeks to wrap my head around what had happened. And in the note that Jennifer left me, it said, if you ever meet anyone like me again, save them. Oh my gosh. And that that was unbearable for me. Mm -hmm. I was just distraught that I could not save her and that I was doing something wrong. So I blamed myself for a long time. Mm -hmm. But then it, I realized that I can't save anyone. I, I can't change people's choices. No. Nope. Only we have the power to make our own choices. 
And uh, I realized that honestly, the only person who can help us is ourselves with the help of a higher being Mm -hmm. with God or Jesus Christ or whatever you believe in. Mm -hmm. Um, That is our own personal journey. And we have to be the ones to get ourselves out of that. And that's truly what inspired the song. I not only was thinking of the words that I wished I could have told Jennifer moments before I got that message, but also being where I was and I felt so alone and couldn't do anything but blame myself. I thought of the words that God would say to me. Mm -hmm. And the song was just written so fast. Was it? Yeah. In a matter of two days. Wow. Yeah. The words are so powerful that, yeah, there was a higher power that definitely was with you when you wrote that song. Yeah. Whenever people ask me about it, that's not my song. I I didn't write that song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Seriously, God just put a pen in my hand. Mm -hmm. On episode 30, I had the privilege of interviewing Karen Simba of Living Works. Living Works is the world leader in suicide prevention training solutions. And she summarized their training programs that offer to train and prepare individuals like me and you, as well as organizations and communities to make a difference, to help save lives. Karen taught me that there are even more ways that one person can help save another from taking their own life, and every one of us can be that life preserver. They are here to help, so please consider reaching out to them. I think it's important to paint the picture of the approach that we're taking to suicide prevention. For many years, Living Works had focused exclusively on training trainers to disseminate the skills um, that we, the skills that can help people stay safe. And so the focus has been, let's train as many people as we can so that they can go back to their local communities and train others to empower them to help uh, save lives from suicide. And that has been remarkable. And for the last 35 years, that approach has been making a huge impact worldwide. Living Works as an organization within the last couple of years has had to take a closer look at its approach to suicide prevention. Because what we also recognize is that helping communities stay safe from suicide is not a one and done, so to speak. It's not just doing a workshop or taking a training, and then you're good to go. We really need a community-wide approach, a community-based approach to suicide prevention, an approach that says everyone can play a role in keeping people safe from suicide because it's too much of a burden. Suicide is too much of a burden for any one individual, any one clinician, any one organization to focus on um, themselves. We really need to be working together. And so, the suite of programs that Living Works offers and has focused on over the past 35, 37 years really work together so that there isn't just one training that works on its own. It's intended to be worked, it's intended to be used as part of an integrated approach. 
On episode 31, my beautiful friend Tyler was here to talk about her journey to finding a meditation and wellness practice that fills her soul and gives her such profound peace and her mission to help others discover this in their own lives. Tyler taught me a way of thinking about meditating that I hadn't tried before our interview and since we've talked, I've implemented and it's made a huge difference in how long I can now meditate and the quality of my sessions has greatly improved. So thank you, Tyler. When you came away from that retreat, is that when you wanted to focus more on meditation and mindfulness? It is. It is because if I could just get even one person into it, you know, that was kind of my goal. Like, let me just get somebody else to sit through this. And the experience of meditation is going to be different for each and every person. Mm -hmm. I kind of compare it to like each and every day you're starting over. Your mind is almost like a forest. Like you're like, I don't know what's in there. Oh, there could be bears. There could be like moose that are going to attack. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you find this place of peace, right? The waterfall, the stillness, mm-hmm. and it's always there, but we have to get through the forest and we have to get through the forest each and every day. And sometimes it's really hard and sometimes it's not. And it's just kind of one of those things. But if every single person on the planet could access that sense of peace, what would it give you every single day? Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I don't necessarily know the answers for what it would bring you because it's so different. But I do know that for me, meditation and people that I talk to, I'm sure you can say this too. It's almost like you don't react as much. Mm -hmm. The things that bothered you before don't bother you as much. You know, you're still going to have healing and still old wounds are going to come up, but it's like, oh, there you are. Hi. (laughs) And you just keep going. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to sit there and judge it or be angry with it anymore. It's Mm -hmm. more like, "Mm, nice to see you. Bye. Mm -hmm. You don't have to stay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely moments in my meditation. I don't know about you, but where I have, um, where I definitely feel my loved ones, that have passed Mm -hmm. on there. Um, And then there's times where I don't, and it's more of my own work that I need to do. Is that what you experience as well? Oh gosh, the places I've gone. Yeah. There are definitely some moments when you, and I think this is where we struggle as humans because we want that moment where we feel completely and totally loved. Mm-hmm. that p- peaceful, like godly universal expression of like, I love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And in, and then you feel that. And then sometimes you're like, I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at, mm-hmm. you know? And so you saying like, I experienced the other side is completely normal. You're just more tapped into it than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's your gift. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, others, it may be just like, I just need to freaking sit still for a second. You yeah. know, like yeah. I need to calm this mess down. On episode 32, my soul sister and beautiful friend Shannon was on the show And yeah, I have so much that I could say about this woman and her conversation. She radiates love and light, and I couldn't be more proud of the work that she is doing and preparing to do. Shannon has a beautiful gift of being able to truly see people to their core 
and help them realize their full potential. Can you imagine a greater gift than having Shannon as your coach? The last few years, I have just learned, in the last four or five years, I've been learning energy work for myself. I've been using it on my dog with cancer. I've been working with people that will teach me stuff, do things for me, and then turn the tables and be like, guess what? That was training for you to do it now too. Like my biggest energy worker, she one day fell and broke her leg and broke her arm. She called me and I've been seeing her for a couple of years and she called me and she goes, it's your turn. Like, what do you mean it's my turn? She goes, you do this too. You just don't know it. And it's so cool. Like almost every psychic or intuitive or healer that I've ever been to has said that to me. Like you do this too. It's just, you don't know. I'm like, I do. And I didn't believe them forever. I just thought I had, I thought I heard some stuff and I knew some things, but I was just like, everybody does. But she was like, no, you really do. I need you come to the hospital. And so I went every day and did for her what she'd done for me for years in the hospital and after. And that just started building my confidence until I was able to get into made to do this. And then really just it, it, cause I, I was so nervous about opening my mouth and saying those words. I am psychic. I am intuitive. Yeah. I am I'm a medical intuitive. Yeah. I've got, I got the ability to read into you. And within about five to 10 seconds, I can figure out what lights you up and I can help you get home to it. That moment when you opened your mouth, like I could feel your, hesitancy because but then when you actually said it you could just see this weight lift that that you said it and that it was out there and the response that you got you can see the chat on the side and it was just like fireworks were going off like people were like you've got this Shannon like you are amazing and you could just see your smile just get bigger and bigger and it was so beautiful to see It was so beautiful to watch that. And when I see people light up like that, I want to be around them more. And that's what I discovered last year in 2020 is I want to be around people that can light me up and that are just doing their own thing as well. Absolutely. You are too. You glow in the dark and it's so, it's just so fun to watch that. On episode 33, the incredibly beautiful and joyful Jessica Jansen was on the podcast. Jess radiates pure joy. And every time I am in the same space as Jessica, you can feel how passionate she is about so many dang things. But most importantly is wanting people to show up in their lives. Show up now and don't wait for the tragedy or wake up call. Wake up now and live your life to the fullest. Jess also taught me that you can bring joy to other people's lives by acting on nudges from your heart. You never know whose life you are impacting for the better when you follow those nudges. You said something at Rise Lake Louise Mm -hmm. that I circled over and over and over Mm. and over and over again, and it was community over competition. Oh, yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit and how that's helped you? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. What I know to be true is that the world has 7.4 billion people on it. So I just go back to, I'm not the only one that will write a book. I'm not the only one that's going to do an apparel company. I'm not the only person that will speak on stages. And it's so many people have helped me. So if I can help you, 
I'm happy to. I literally, I have a speaking coach and I was like, Eric, why are you being so nice to me? Why are you helping me? Yeah. He was like, I see your heart, your potential says all these nice things. And he's, I just want you to live up to your full potential. I was like, wow. Could you imagine how rad the world would be if it's like, yeah, let me journey alongside you. But I think we're so scared of what if they do it better than me? And for me, that's just, you know what? Them coming into the marketplace is just competition and a little bit of fuel to light my ass and to keep my butt in gear to make sure that I don't get lazy. I don't get sloppy. Like competition Mm -hmm. breeds like how we show up a little bit better. It breeds that competitive edge. And I think we need that in business. Mm -hmm. And I've just been like, I'm not the only person that's going to launch a candle. I'm not the Mm -hmm. only person that's going to put a sweatshirt with some words on it. And I think that there's room for all of us. And I want to blaze a trail showing women it's possible. And why not do that linked arms, like that power of community standing together? Do you think that having your gratitude or joy starter practice Mm -hmm. has changed your life? Because I know it has for me. Two years ago, I started it. And every day I find something to be grateful for. And it's just rewired stuff in my brain. I think that I'm always looking for good. I love that you said rewired your brain. One of the people you asked about like where I look to and like mentors and all that you talk about Brene Brown, all of these people, but somebody else that I love to talk about, cause I've learned so much, uh, especially about how the brain works is Dr. Caroline leaf. Mm-hmm. She's a neuroscientist. And so she has the actual scientific facts of how you rewire your brain and what that looks like. And that then goes back, I think, to like Heather Borsman's model and the the life coaching school of the thought model, because when we can change our thoughts, you can change and rewire your brain. And they say it takes 63 days. And I know for me in October 20, so whatever it was three months ago, I was in a deep, dark spot. Like I literally was a mess and I didn't talk about it in the moment because I needed to get through it first. And Mm -hmm. I'll I'll share some more on that. But like to the point where I was like, I think you need to check me in somewhere because like my brain's not okay. I don't feel okay. I had no energy. I wasn't, I was like at my wits end. I was like, cause I know where I can operate at. I know Mm -hmm. when I'm functioning good and all cylinders are fueling and it's all working together. Yep. And so I think when you talk about like you rewired your brain, like I've rewired my life and my brain and my go-to for joy and like what a freaking blessing because I look for the moments of joy. I look like that's just like my default setting. And so if you're someone that is in the midst of grief and struggling and you're fighting through it and you're like, oh, know that like you can have your default setting be joy. And me and my girlfriend talk about this. Life is 50-50 like 50 good and awesome and amazing amount top moments. And then 50% of the other time it's hard. It's grinding. Another bill came in. There's, it's not always easy, but I'm so glad that my default setting is to look for the joy, to look for the good, to see the good in people. That is such a blessing. Well, that's it for the episodes from season two. What an amazing group of guests that I had. And like I said, in part one, I am so eternally grateful for all of my guests for taking time out of their busy lives to chat and share their story with myself and my listeners. I am just so grateful for all the lessons. I am grateful for the kindness and I am grateful for their friendship. So what's next for this podcast? Well, for starters, I will be taking an extended break as I have some big plans that I am working on in the month of March. 
And one of those is finalizing my podcast course and launching my soul coaching business. I am also enrolled in a program called Shine Bootcamp, which teaches how to become a speaker. And that is one of my goals for 2021 to get on a stage and share my story with more people. I am legitimately sweating bullets over here, thinking about speaking in front of many, many people, but I have faith that it will all work out great. I will be sure to share this talk with you when it is available and it will be on my website at some point as well. When I return in mid-April, I will have more great guests as well as episodes where it will be just little old me giving you my thoughts on a variety of topics. I have a lifetime of stories and experiences that I'd love to share with you. I believe when you use your voice, you ignite your soul to your true purpose. I hope you will consider sharing your story with me and my listeners. If you're interested, please be sure and check out my website at www.mistiffvon.com forward slash podcast to submit your story. Also, please be sure and join my private Facebook group, Hard Beautiful Journey. March is when things will really ramp up in there and I can't wait to see you there. I want to thank you all for listening in, for taking time out of your very busy lives to listen. It truly does mean the world to me. And I would love to close out this season by sharing again Leah Campbell's beautiful song, Won't Let You Fall. Please, let's be there for one another and let's not let anyone fall. Until next season, please be kind and stay well. Bye-bye. Just hold on We're all here waiting for you Just be strong There's so much more left to do The night is cold You're caught inside You are not a So darling, don't let go You may be bruised Yeah, you may be broken The scars that fix you Were not meant to hold you you fall
inside I'll be 